This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So now Posey ranges away and there are some intangibles that those projections failed to take into consideration. The crowd was going crazy. There's not much in life that's better than that. You're listening to Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys with Mark Willard and Joe Shasky on the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network. All right, what is going on? It's the next episode of Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys. That is Joe Shasky. I'm Mark Willard. Glad you're with us, as always, with our couple of episodes a week. And uh, we're coming to you at the uh, almost end of the series against the Pirates, which uh, still could go either way. Giants with another chance to get back to 500. So maybe mentally, uh, this is a really big one. But let's look, Joe, at the series as it's kind of already come together the uh the logan webb outing yesterday first and foremost was fantastic but secondly it led to a really big in the moment conversation as he works his way through a difficult eighth inning and immediately uh, who knows what conversation was happening in the dugout but man from social media uh to friends of mine on my phone immediately everybody was triggered at the idea of handing that over to the bullpen, which Gabe Kapler did, and Camilo Doval was was fine and got through it for the save. Uh, but it sounded like a lot of Giants fans were really, really wanting Logan Webb to get the ninth. What did you think? Uh, man, you hit the nail on the head in terms of how everyone was perceiving it. People were losing their minds. Oh, 2012 Bochy would have done X, Y, and Z. Do we not remember that 2012 Brian Wilson basically threw his arm out because he had so many four, five out saves? Like, do people not forget that? I, I just, it kind of blows me away. Yes, were there times when there was a no hitter or a perfect game going on where Bochy rode out the starter and the hot hand? Absolutely. Bochi is Bochi because of how he carved out that bullpen and the roles that he had for every one of those guys. You know what Camilo Duvall's role is? When we're up one or two or three runs and it's a tight game, you're getting the rock, young man. And that's why you have him. Like, this, to me, was a no-brainer. The context of how he struggled in the eighth inning, Logan Webb, where he actually was in the stretch and he was throwing a lot of high-leverage pitches, that, to me, supersedes all the data. And that's why I'm... 
totally behind uh, Kapler on this one. He made the right decision. It was a gut decision in my move because he only threw 99 pitches. And if you looked on a spreadsheet, you'd say, oh, 99, he could have gone another inning, maybe let another batter in. No, no, no. This was a textbook. I watched you struggle a little here. You just got out of the inning. Let's go to the fresh arm in the bullpen. I loved what Kapler did. I wonder if this was one of those things where we were having the conversation out here and in there, they weren't. I don't even think this was a thought. Um, I, 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 this was an obvious move to Camila Duvall to me. Yes, there's always the emotional side of me because we love Logan Webb. Mm-hmm. He's such a bulldog, and you see the way he was pitching out there. So, yeah, like do you fall in love with the, uh, the romanticism of a, of a complete game? Sure, sure you do. And, uh, and it's the Pirates, and, and, and he's Logan, and so I, I, I would have loved his chances to go out there and get three more outs. But at the same time, uh, staying with him was in the eighth, mm-hmm. not in the ninth. Thank like, you. we've watched so many times that starter gets pulled, especially you walk someone to load the bases. Thank you. I mean, like, I was actually in the moment, I was like, good job, Gabe, for sticking with him there. Yes. The ninth, I thought he was going to yank him right there in the eighth, and he stayed with him, and he got the strikeout, and and he got to the dugout. And if you watch the highlight, it was bang. It was a Mm -hmm. lot of back slaps. And part of that is because, yeah, you got through the eighth, but normally for a starting pitcher, you start getting high fives and back slaps, it's because you're done. Yeah, You're done. And so I, I wonder if in the dugout to, to get to 100 pitches, to labor to get there, to work your way through the eighth, I, I, I don't even know if this was a discussion. I'm so with you on this one. Like, had it been reversed, let's say it's the sixth inning where he has struggles and he gets through it and he's cruising one, two, three in the seventh and in the eighth. That's a totally different story. This yep. is where context matters. And I'm I'm happy that Gabe and I, I'm kind of with you. And maybe maybe this was predetermined. I don't know. But seeing the way he finished that inning. All I kept thinking about, forget the Giants of 2012, because they were celebrating them that particular night. We'll get to them in a minute. If this was Kershaw and Jansen, the last decade, everyone's saying this is the template for success. My 25-year-old starter in Logan Webb goes eight strong, and he hands the rock to my other 25-year-old closer, who I'm hoping we could do this for the next decade. Like, this is how you draw it up. Okay, so here's the thing, though, and, and, and I think we know why the Giants fan mind was working the way it was in game two of that series that we're talking about. And it's because uh, we've got, um, let's see, we can't call it PTSD. Um, we can call it BTSD. We've got bullpen traumatic stress syndrome. We, we absolutely do because they've yeah. been terrible. Yeah. They've been terrible. I've talked about this the last couple of, 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 of episodes. Um, they are the reason that the Giants are, are, are barely, if you even want to call them still in the playoff race, they are the number one difference between this year and last year. And, and, and as we said last week, if you just want to look at bullpen uh, war, Mm -hmm. Uh, The bottom 10 teams, those are the bad teams. The top 10 teams, those are the good teams. Like bullpen is such an indicator. And they've been bad. And Duvall, we can mostly trust. And right now he's the only one. I would have pointed out Brebbia as uh, as the other one we can trust, but not his last couple outings. And just as we're sitting here doing this episode, he coughed up a three-run homer uh, and and, and the lead in uh, in the Sunday game against the Pirates. So, um I, we want to stick with these starters because the bullpen has been so, so bad. 
and it continues to be what I will point to as the number one failure of the roster construction this year, which is that I don't really know, and you correct me if I'm wrong, and I know guys have been acquired and called up, Alex Young, guys like that, but like who who did they acquire in the offseason and who did they acquire at the deadline who are established bullpen arms? None. None. In fact, they lost Tony Watson. Right. And I get that they could respond with, well, why would we change the bullpen? It was really good last year. So, okay, fine. If you want to tell me that you don't have to acquire someone preseason, you certainly do midseason when Alvarez – is 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 injured and Rogers is underperforming and Leon looks like he's he's completely hit a wall and on and on we could go through all of the guys Garcia is not the same pitcher he was no. last year so I just I'm shocked that uh, that that uh, an organization that has been so based on the bullpen for so long uh, let it get to this. Yeah, and on the night we're celebrating, you know, Brian Wilson going down and Bochi going to the other guys in the bullpen and Affelt saying on the front end, I don't believe in closer by committee. He's saying that in 2012. And Bochi goes, yeah, I don't normally either, but we have no other choice. And then you make the legends of Romo, Casilla, Affelt, Lopez. Like, it's, it's, it's kind of a crazy contrast compared to this year. Look, you make a great point. They have lost players, whether it's Posey in the lineup, whether it's McGee getting DFA'd, whether it's Tony Watson retiring. And they that's my biggest problem. Forget just the lineup or just the bullpen. In totality, they haven't built on anything from last year. That's my biggest gripe with right now. When you have a year like you did last year, I'm not saying you got to knock it out and upgrade at every position. But you got to upgrade a little. You got to upgrade a little. And if anything, they lost in too many categories. And bullpen's one of them where I'm looking up and I'm saying, Tyler Rogers, career year last year. Doval, wow, emergence out of nowhere. Jake McGee, up to that point, career year. This year, no one's having a career year but Doval. And it's very, very frustrating. One guy that I was I had high hopes for heading into this year, Gervin Castro. And then they DFA him out of nowhere. I don't know what happened with him, but he showed promise last year. Year, there's no one coming up, there's no one that they've made trades for, and then I look in the bullpen, and there's really nobody I trust but Doval. Yeah, yeah, and and look, that's when games are won or lost, obviously. Um, you know, seventh, eighth, ninth inning, you 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 can't have people come in and consistently give up runs and and win baseball games, you just can't. And look, the development situation, I would expect that you're gonna see some stuff in the offseason. Um, changed with regard to the farm system, with regard to development, because as you said, you know, you had Kirvin Castro. Um, you've even had other names that I think, you know, Santos as of, came up for just a, a minute ago, year and a half ago, Sean Jelly was a name that they're excited about. And it's like, what uh, Elliot Ramos, what, what happened? The guys who were already on the doorstep, it hasn't happened. They feel farther away, Mark. Yeah, they, that's the thing that's frustrating. I mean, the one, the only two people who feel like they're developing in a positive direction right now, as far as young players, are a Tyro Estrada, who was acquired already big league ready last mm-hmm. year, mm-hmm. and now just this new addition of Joey Bart. Yeah, is is, is yeah. literally it. Um, and Duval, you know, but again, th- this is someone who was already here. Yeah. So. I, I think that that that's going to be the secondary part of the offseason. The part we're all going to be watching is the player acquisition. But the second part is I wonder if there are going to be some changes 
in the player development roles with, with the Giants this winter. Well, and the big frustration I have, and again, I don't love every move that this team makes all year round. No one does. I don't care if you're Joe Torrey in the middle of his four out of five World Series runs in a row. But the point being with Kapler, I feel like he's the sacrificial lamb. And my big question to a lot of people ripping him every time he goes to the bullpen, where else is he supposed to go? Like, what do you want him to magically get guys out for these dudes? Like, he's pulling from very unsatisfying options at this point. And I'm very, like, I'm very much trying to defend him, especially when it comes to the arms and the bullpens, because they don't have anyone to go to. Last night, you're talking about the Logan Webb situation. Him letting Logan Webb pitch that eighth, I thought was like, okay, I know you guys don't trust Tyler Rogers, and neither do I. So yep. I'm going to go with my stud, and we'll see where it goes. He has a kind of shaky inning, barely gets out of it, and then he gets crushed anyway for going to Doval. Like, the guy can't win right now. And my big takeaway is it's not his fault again i don't love every movie makes but we're, we're mad at the wrong person well wow. be mad at roster construction uh, I'm, not, I'm not gonna be mad at a game where they shut the other team out that's weird um just just on the surface right like that's just yes. odd yeah so um so yeah last night was not uh emblematic of anything bad um I, again i i think this was a discussion that is based on what triggers us. The Giants bullpen triggers us, so we don't want them to go to the bullpen, yes. even though I bet in the dugout this was a non-discussion. Like yeah. Logan Webb probably got a high five and went, I'm going to take a shower. Tell me how Camilo does. Um, that, that's, I mean, I know he stayed in the dugout, but you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like that's, that's what I think it was like. You know, let me ask you one question here, and I don't even know if this is a quantifiable thing. Had DeSclafani stayed healthy, don't you think that they would have been a little bit better in the bullpen? I do feel, and I, you can't control injuries. I get it. Injuries happen all over. But if they just had a competent fourth or fifth starter who could just chew up some innings, I, I just got to feel that they'd have one or two extra arms in the pen. And I'm not saying it would be dramatically different, like they'd be a top five bullpen, but it'd be a little better than where we're at now. They've got yeah. nothing reliable back I, there. I wonder. I wonder who would have been kicked out of the rotation. You know, Junis – um, you know, would he be down in the bullpen? I don't know. What 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 would have happened if Matthew Boyd yeah. had stayed healthy and then actually ended up on the roster uh, here in the month of August like he was supposed to? You know, they 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 had some late plans. Some of them blew up in their faces. Others, you know, really worked out as far as the rotation. It's an underrated rotation. You know, Junis kind of came out of nowhere. Alex Cobb, as we've talked about, has been low-key really good, better yeah, than his numbers. I agree. And, 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 you know, and Alex Wood has hung in there and been fine as a as a third, fourth starter. So um, that's, that's not it. I just think that um, when things started to go south in the bullpen, they didn't get addressed. Yeah. And I still don't I don't I don't really get why I would bring back Alex Cobb on a one year deal if he, yeah. if he's willing to accept that to compete with uh, Di Sclafani for that final starter role. I, I think you, you hit the nail on the head. He's been better than the numbers. And I actually think there's more to his game if he gets a little more defense behind him. I really do. Yeah, no, he is. Uh, he's been fine. And actually, by the way, if I'm remembering it correct and let me look it up here while we're talking, I think Cobb is on a two year deal You on a two year. Yeah, I think Good. he – let me look at it. Yeah, yeah, they've got Good. Cobb next year. I like so, him. Yeah, Logan Webb and Alex Cobb right now are the two yeah. that you can go ahead and uh, and and in ink, you don't need to pencil them in. You can pen those two in. That's two-fifths of your rotation next year. And I guess, you know, I, I guess Alex Wood and Anthony DeSclafani at the start of the year are going to be members 
three and four as well. Like, I mean, if you sign Rodon to a contract, you could come back with the exact same rotation. And I don't know if I necessarily hate that. I don't, no, I don't. I don't think that's a, an area that needs an overhaul. I no. think everything else does. I think re- retaining Rodon is obviously, uh, to me, that's step one. That would be number one, the one one move. And then where's Harrison at? Can he crack this rotation? Right. Let's say Harrison does, and he's your fourth or fifth. Like, now you're giving him a soft landing spot, and now you're pushing one of these other guys into that Yasmero Petit kind of swingman role where he can be a spot starter. Like, that's that's a role I think they really miss, well, that George Contos role. You be careful about saying uh, Kyle Harrison, uh, as much as I'd love him in the rotation, the way this um, executive staff has operated, (laughs) are they going to say, hey, we don't need to re-sign Rodon. We've got Harrison. We've got Harrison for $20 million less. Well, my my counter to that would be pitching is, to me, pitching is the great neutralizer against all of these great offenses. And if you can make one area of your team elite, why would you try to patchwork it? You know what I mean? Like stay elite in that area. And it just solves so much. Like if you know you're handing the rock to four or five of those guys every single time around, it just makes it so much. Think of how difficult this year's been. Just trying to figure out who that fourth and fifth guy is. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. All right. It's garlic fries and baseball guys. Two episodes a week. Make sure you are subscribed so you don't miss an episode. And we appreciate you coming to get all of your Giants fan news, knowledge, perspective, information from us every single week. Okay, um, next up, it's been a Padre party. We have used the San Diego Padres as all the things the Giants aren't uh, so far this year. Spending big money, exciting players, uh, filled up stands that are really, really loud. Uh, I've I've heard them the most as the team saying, hey, why – Why can't the Giants do this? And then all of a sudden, uh, for the first time all year, the Padres really got some news uh, that that made them grab their hat into their hand. 80-game suspension for Fernando Tatis Jr. And how does this affect the division? How does it affect what they may or may not do with Juan Soto? I'll tell you one thing that's the first thing that comes to my mind, and there's nothing that will happen about this anytime soon, but – This is the flip side to what we always yell about in football. In the NFL, player contracts are not guaranteed enough. They're not fair, especially with how physical um, that sport is. And so the guarantees that happen in baseball and basketball, I think by and large, we're like, okay, that's that's usually a good thing. Um, But what about in this case? PEDs do not erase anything with regard to a contract. So now you're sitting here with a guy who has shown his immaturity, motorcycle accidents, plural, PED popped. Now you have no idea if he's actually as good as we've known him to be or if this was a a concoction of the PEDs and you're on the hook for 13 years and $335 million to Fernando Tatis. Yeah, it's it's such a great point. I'll get to the, like the image thing with the kids and whatnot in a second because I, I you know you have young kids. I coach a lot, and so this one kind of hurts me. Young kids and a dog, as you can hear. But yeah, yes, that's okay. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, first up, six year arbitration thing. So you go three years where you're under team control, then three more years of arbitration. 
I've been saying this. That is two years longer than any other sport. Zion Williamson's played three years. He's eligible for this huge max contract. You know, even even though he's barely played, you know what I mean? But you feel like you got to show a little something before you can get a $250 million deal. Because of the six years of arbitration and super twos and the way that they've structured all these salaries, it feels like to me that the owners have kind of dug themselves in here. And the best business model is to buy out those arbitration years, but to do so you better tack on six or seven extra years after that. So you get Ronald Acuna or Fernando Tatis jr. Getting 10, 11, 12 year deals when they've played like 95 games. Like, like, and I'm not saying that like these guys aren't great talents. They're great, great talents. Josh Hamilton had one of the greatest years we've all ever seen. And then boom, he nosedived again. This happens all the time in baseball. Yastrzemski two years ago, I would have gave him a five, six, seven year deal. Now I'm saying, thank God we couldn't. And we yeah. didn't give him a deal like that. You got to let these things play themselves out. So I'm with you on this. Here's the other part. Just like from a marketing standpoint, like, I'm Oof. so disappointed in the guy because, dude, he's the one guy you can point to that kids are like, I like him. He makes baseball fun, and I'm not some holier-than-thou. You know, steroids are awful. I'm a Bonds fan, so it would be hypocritical for me to be, like, ripping Fernando Tatis Jr., but at the end of the day, it's a horrible look. No, it's, it's terrible. It's a horrible look for the face of the of baseball. I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up because every single baseball fan that I've ever known is a complete hypocrite when it comes to this. Yeah. Right? They're a complete hypocrite. I admit it. Right? Dodger fans would throw syringes at Barry Bonds and then cheer Manny Ramirez. Um, and, and, and we do Estrogen it too. A, a Giants fan right now going, this taints his legacy. Bonds should be in the hall. Like, what are you doing? Like, like I don't want to hear the word legacy. The guy's not even 25 years old yet. Exactly. Can, can, can we just calm it down? Because if this had happened in football, we'd be like, see you next month. Bummer exactly. that you're suspended. No yes. big deal, right? So so I, I'm with you. I'm not going to be holier than now on this. But to say that this isn't a multi-layered problem for the San Diego Padres who have built their entire future around this guy – and now, now you're probably looking at a scenario where Juan Soto's deal is up in two years. You're probably not the favorite to re-sign him mm. because of the Tatis deal. Mm. And now what are you going to get? What are you going to get out of that um, going forward? He has been constantly hurt. It, it, are the steroids what he was using to try to get back from injury? Yeah. No clue. You know, we're, we're never going to know that, but we clearly have a player who's very talented, but now oft injured and immature. And so, uh, like, the, the, the Padres are going to say right now, and they're right, like, we're still a good team. Mm -hmm. We still have enough to win right now. But this is a massive oh. blow to their entire framework. Yeah. Everything they've spent all this time building – so that they were ready to pounce when Machado came, ready to pounce when Soto became available, was all based, as we've talked so much, all based on the man who was the homegrown core. And, and now that's filled with nothing but question marks. I mean, think about their timeline. We talk so much about the Giants' timeline. The old guys, the young guys, when is the timeline? Their pitching is now. 
Like, look at their pitching, Musgrove and Snell. And, like, all their guys are for right now. They just made the trade for Hayter. Hayter ain't getting better. You know what I mean? Like, he's depreciating at this point. So, I look at Machado. He's getting up there in age. And this is also a guy, Soto, you, you talked about some of the off-field immaturities. Infield, okay, the final series of the year last year, Manny Machado is ready to choke him out in the dugout for blowing through a stop sign and getting hosed at home plate. So, he's not a perfect player on the field. He made a zillion errors last year at shortstop. I thought maybe he's a right fielder. I don't know. But, like, from a a Major League Baseball standpoint, as a fan of the game, and as a fan of this guy, and I'm I'm not trying to be holier than thou, this is a gut punch for the game. This is a big black eye. And then, like, as a Giants fan, you're sitting here and you're going, this is a cautionary tale to be careful to pay. Not everyone's buster where you buy out their years and he's a model citizen. You know, like, sometimes things are out of your control. We are celebrating 2012. Melky Cabrera would have had a $250 million deal on the table had he not got popped for steroids well i i tell it's a cautionary tale but it's also so now this is how it affects the giants in a way it might also be a bummer because yeah it is very much quickly becoming my opinion that this this group when it comes to the idea of spending big on a big name um they are this is going to sound obvious they're a wee bit too conservative we know that already, but here's my point. I think they are so focused on not making that mistake mm-hmm. that I don't know, like what they're way analysis by analysis. Perfect thing. They need someone to be 22 yeah. or 23, and he needs to be squeaky clean, and he needs to be. And it's just like if you wait for this, it's never ever going to exist. Yeah. So, do the Giants? Does the Giants brass use this? To say, see, that's why we're not doing it. The Padres, you've been lauding them all year, and what have they actually gotten out of it? They've got an 80-game PED suspension, and they're barely hanging on to a playoff spot by their fingernails. Well, I guess the counter, the only counter to that would be on a business side, it does feel like they're doing as best as good as they've ever done in terms of attendance and just the overall aura of the team. You could say, I know you were down in that area. The chargers leaving obviously helps that, but it does feel like that entire region is now supporting that team. Unlike anything I've ever seen. No doubt. This is a blow to that. Like this was the centerpiece, dude. I'm playing the video game. I know your kids play video games. I'm playing the video game. He's the face of the video game. Like the face. When I go to junior giants practice, I go, guys, who are your favorite players? Fernando Tatis was the name six kids brought up. Yep. Like I go, he hasn't played in like a year. And they're like, that's my favorite player. Yeah. Yeah. No, there, there, there's no doubt that this, this has been the biggest PED major league baseball slap in the face to all of us that I can remember in a rod at least. At, yeah. At least 12, a decade. 13 years, at least a decade. It, it may yeah. be more. I don't even remember when that suspension was, but like it, this, and, and here's the thing too. It just for the, for, for, for that guy to do that, whether he's doing it to get healthy, get right, whatever. It just, God, it's such a bad look. Cause I kept propping him up. Like, this is what I want my major league baseball player to be. He wants the endorsements. He wants the limelight. He wants to have fun. He's embracing the Dodger rivalry. And then you got this. Yeah. Ugh. One last thing on this, by the way, gentle reminder to every single baseball player who has ever played or is playing or ever will. When this happens, 
Just apologize. And I just don't get it. How do you not look at the history of this? You're coming out here with ringworm. (laughs) I mean, look at the arc of what's happened with these players. If you want to Ryan Braun this thing Mm -hmm. and make up stories all over the place, we're never going to hear from you again. You're never, if you do have the numbers to do it, if we don't like you, we're never going to put you in the Mm -hmm. hall. But mm-hmm. if you just come out, especially a guy who's been hurt for a year and a yes. half, if you just come out and say, I can't stand missing the game, play the Clay Thompson card. It's killing me. It is, I, it's everything I love in this world, and I want to play baseball, and I want to get back so badly I made this mistake. Do you know how quickly the public oh. would have forgiven you? They did it to Andy Pettit, and he didn't even have a good reason. He's no. just like, yeah, just kind of had a weak moment. Yeah, and, and, and everyone's like, okay, yeah, all right, yeah, let's put him in. Like, just apologize and have some human vulnerability, so and true. everybody will say it's okay. It's so true. It's such a great point. And, like, if he would have just phrased it that way, because I don't even know what the motivation is. Obviously, it's to, to, to be good. That's number one. But also, if it is to come back to be healthy we would understand that it doesn't make it right but we would understand that we'd be able to move forward when you lie and you come up with this ringworm it's like come on what are you doing yeah 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 it's completely it's completely ridiculous garlic fries and baseball guys there is something to celebrate we'll do that here in just a second we're with you twice a week as you know and we want to thank you for that and make sure that you take the time to subscribe so that you don't miss an episode All right. Last thing is that uh, this was a fun week for the remembering of 2012, which is funny because I think when you look back at the three World Series championships for the Giants in recent years, 2010 has that identity of being the first Mm. and 2014 has the identity of Madison Bumgarner. Absolutely. 2012 is one I had so much fun watching the ceremony, so much fun even watching what NBC Sports Bay Area put together after Mm -hmm. the Giants went out and won that game because it is so, oh, it's so good. The memories of this, the things that happened, the acquisitions, the speeches, the deficits, the facing of eliminations, it is the one that is sort of stuck in the middle that I think people, people forget the little interesting aspects of that world series run i i mean man you easily could make the case that if you remove you know mad bum's performance and the fact that the first is always our favorite i mean in many ways this was the best i mean to face to have six elimination games in a couple of weeks and and win all of them and and then have the hunter pence speech and the key hits and and overwhelming a tiger rotation that looked like it was just generational all all of that stuff like man 20, 2012 was it was a journey it was a journey all in and of itself i'll go to my deathbed saying of the three championship teams that's the best one top to bottom in my yeah. in my estimation roster wise you got the nl mvp comeback player of the year buster posey you got matt kane who was a starter in the all-star game you know at that point in his career threw a perfect game that year uh, he was outstanding they did it without brian wilson which i think everybody forgets the guy blew his arm off yep. and then obviously romo and casilla and affelt and lopez and all those guys stepped up vogel song one of my favorite all-time competitors oh, Litsicum coming out of the pen the redemption arc of barry zito i mean 
I remember him signing here thinking he's going to be the savior. He's going to turn things around and he gets deactivated from the 2012, uh, 2010 roster. And then to have what he did. And then Pablo hits three home runs in the world series. Like so many elements of this. It's just that to me, that team, and they beat a Detroit team. Go back and look at Ian Kinsler, Prince Fielder, Miguel Cabrera. That team was loaded. Yes. Yes, I mean, just, you know, Verlander, what they're throwing at you in terms of starting Scherzer. pitching. Scherzer, for the Giants to, to, to work through that um, and sweep them. And, and also, just the images. This is what it is for me. There's so many images of that whole run. Uh, Buster's Grand Slam off of mm. Latos. Mm. And then St. Louis and Zito getting the ball down 3-1. And then that leads to... Uh, right, the double hit on Pence's bat. Oh my God! And 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 Scudero in the rain, and and all of that happens, and they're not even in the World Series yet. Unreal. And and, and then you get to the World Series and the images of Pablo in Game One, and 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 Scudero driving in Terrio, and uh, and Romo having the the guts to throw one right down the middle to Miggy. I mean, there's so it's just. I think every time one of your favorite teams wins a title, it feels like magic. Yeah. But that year took that word to a completely different level. There were so many things that happened. I mean, go all the way back to Arius's ground ball to Scott Rowland. Thank like, you. There's so many things that happen where you're like, yo, there's like a higher power at work right now. How many errors did Scott Rowland make in his entire career? Uh, like, yeah, seriously. Yeah. And he makes a mistake I, on that play in that game, in that situation. You beat Dusty Baker. Well, I mean, look, come on. We all have got a little affinity for Dusty, but he's like the Marty Schottenheimer of baseball. He loses in horrific ways when it comes playoff time. God bless him. But, yeah, they had no business. And then you beat the Cardinals, which any old-school Giant fan will say, beating the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. I mean, just inject that into my veins. The Matt Holiday slide. Milky Cabrera getting suspended. You swing the, pen, the, the Hunter Pence trade like there's just so many elements and help Pagan. you know like they squeeze the lemon on andres torres that year that they won it all and then they make the shrewd trade for and help and he just was just perfect as a yeah. catalyst the start of that lineup well and then so you go to the ceremony that uh that, that took place uh before the game on saturday and uh i don't know if anything great is going to come out of this season with the giants but man they can throw a ceremony mm. um there there have been some ceremonies will clark uh 2012 uh and and to see those names come back and and, and this is what i love and i i, I want to point this out real quick because there's been so much talk this year about going to get a star and and whenever i see one of these ceremonies it reminds me that, in my opinion, the star is made by the winning much more than the other way around. So when Barry Zito, who for his five years as a giant, was was disliked much more often than he wasn't. Booed he, off the mound the second you. to last game, 2010, because he walked the bases loaded and walked in a run. And Remember then, that? When, when, when he comes out of the center field fence and gets the reaction that he gets, when Angel Pagan, as you said, uh, when, when, when this guy is, uh, is the rock star that he is now, 10 years later, inside Oracle Park, all of these guys um, who, you know, weren't necessarily stars. I mean, I guess Zito maybe was when they signed him, um, and he's a big name. But these guys, uh, all the way down to Gregor Blanco, who couldn't be there, yes. like these guys are huge names to us. 
because of what they achieved. And so sometimes I think it it works in uh, in reverse order, but it was phenomenal to see the staying power of those names and, and the way they make Giants fans feel and, and the way Giants fans make them feel. You know, watching the game that night, Zito up there with Crook and Kipe, Vogel song up there with Crook and Kipe, Boach up there with Crook and Kipe. Like these guys – that, that that whole story is so cemented now mm-hmm. in the story of this organization. And and it was just maybe the most layered team that, that I think I've ever watched. Yeah, I mean, the, the three championship teams, I've tripped off this many times. Three different center fielders, three different guys that were the ace for that particular year, and three different closers. Name me a manager that's pulled that off. Like it's right. it's it's kind of incredible when you think about it. And that's the thing you're talking about all the players. My thing was the coaches. When I watched Bochi, Ron Wotus, Tim Flannery, Mark Gardner come out together, I said, "Wow, wow!" Th- think of the players in just like in a Giants uniform alone who had their best year or reversed whatever downtrend that they had once they put on the uniform and played for those guys. That coaching staff, the the wise men, if you will, they are legendary. I mean, from Jason Schmidt to Lincecum to, you know, the Mark Portugals of the world, think of how many guys had their best pitching years with Rigetti and Mark Gardner kind of well, blowing nothing into their ear. I mean, look, they're they're still getting ad campaigns ten years later, right? How many how many True. how many third base coaches get ad campaigns a decade afterward? You know what I mean? It's, it's crazy. So, yeah, they did uh, they did an unbelievable job, and there just is not much in terms of a feel better situation for for Giants fans. The only hard part, though, when you're having these ceremonies with what they're going through right now, is it it, it just it it also works as a reminder. It works as a reminder of what the Giants don't have right now. Yeah. And one last thing, like that's Posey's individually. Like I think a lot of people, that's his best year. I think as time goes on, I think last year might've been his best year. Wow. I mean, and I know that I'm, that's a loaded, that's a loaded sentence, but like I really, cause I thought he was finished and for him to have the did. year he had last year in a weird way, maybe the numbers aren't as gaudy, I was more impressed with what he did last year at his age with that team than what he did in 2012. It was certainly more surprising when you, yeah, you compare it to what you expected coming in. There's no question um, that, that it's his, uh, it's, it's his best year when matched up against what the expectations were mm-hmm. 2012. Remember you're, I mean, you're coming off of the injury. And I so mean, it was just such a, it was such a relief. Yeah. It was such a relief. And then, and the grand slam off Latos to me is the, is the signature visual moment of his career. I hundred percent. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. And Absolutely. that battle in that game, which never gets talked about Romo versus Jay Bruce. That was a 25 minute at bat. Oh, I, I mean, I can't believe I went through all the visuals of that playoffs and left that out. How many foul balls? And like, I swear to God, that was a 25 minute at bat that will, in my mind, as crazy as that game was, the way it ended, no oh. one ever brings it up. And I'm like, that Romo J. Bruce at bat lasted forever. Well, and his interview after uh, or late in the game uh, that they that they showed his interview, he was like, there was no way. I was going to lose that battle. And I was like, I wish you would have told all of us <laughs> because we were dying out here, man. Absolutely dying. Uh, um, but man, yeah, really, really fun trip what a down memory lane. All right, we're back at it a couple times next week. 
Uh, Giants trying to get back to 500, still trying to say that they're going to hang in the race. The Diamondbacks come in next, so let's see if they can build off of what has happened so far this weekend against Pittsburgh. We'll be here with you for it. The Giants Fan Podcast done by Giants fans for Joe Shasky, Mark Willard. We'll talk to you again next week on Garlic Fries and Baseball, guys.